I've learned that people forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. That to me, that's more important than how you look, right? Or it's just how you make other people feel and, and to give back. Welcome to the Daily Authors Podcast, a daily podcast all about books and the authors who gave them life. Each episode, your host interviews a new brilliant author as they reveal inside information about their incredible books and inspiring lives. Now, here's your host, Aaron Gendel. Hey, Aaron Gendel here. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. It means so, so much to me. And maybe you've been thinking about writing a book of your own. And if so, do not wait. The world is hurting and needs your help. It needs your book. I would love to help you on your journey to write your book. So simply email me at Aaron at dailyauthors.com and I'd love to hear about your book idea. Now enjoy the show. All right. Thank you so much, Bridget Cutshaw, for joining me on the Daily Authors Podcast. So excited to talk to you today about your book, Expecting the Good, Inspiration from a Badass with a Big Heart. Love that title, Bridget. Thanks for joining me. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a, you know, even though I'm talking about expecting the good, I wrote it on a, for an unexpected reason. Ah. And the idea came at a funeral. I know that sounds really weird, <laughs> but my stepfather died unexpectedly. And about three years ago, or is it, yeah, gosh, I mean, it's 2020 now, excuse me, almost four years ago. And he uh, had a bigger impact in our lives than we realized. You know, we met so many people at the funeral and everybody was sharing a lot of stories. Yeah. He was a retired military with West Pointer and 82nd Airborne Commander, Special Forces Officer. He did, every, you know, a lot of stuff these guys do, they don't talk about it. Yeah. And he was so generous and he always, with me and my siblings wanted us to focus on, look at the good aspect of something, right? And he never judged anybody, even though he had all these cr huge credentials, he just made you feel good about, you know, that's just how he was. And wow. right, but I didn't, when I met him, I was 16. So, you know, I had an attitude. So uh, <laughs> my parents had just gotten divorced a year prior, you know, so it's bad enough dealing with the girl. So my, I always, I joke in the book that his special forces training came in handy trying to deal with me and my sister. <laughs> but girls are more dramatic, you know what I'm saying, than, than boys. Boys are a little <laughs> different. And, well, they're dangerous too, but in a different way, right? Yeah, so, yeah. But he actually, um, just looking at everything and all these stories these guys told me, after the funeral, they had like a Benny's Wake, where all these West Pointer cadets that he went to school with, they tell funny stories. So it kind of helps set the mood a little bit better because he had like a special forces burial and all that. And he's buried in, at the end Naval Air Station base by Pensacola. But anyway, they're saying all these, telling all these funny stories and we're all like dying laughing because that was him. He, <laughs> he would always, he, he just did it, but he didn't care, you know, but in a good way, he was just such an inviting person. And I don't know. And I just had to share it. And I learned, like I said, so much from these other guys that he went through some serious, you know, he wasn't part of, First Girl Four, and you know he was the bodyguard for the Emir of Kuwait at oh. the time. You know, but it, I'm like, what? You know, but a lot of these guys can't share what they do. Yeah, they can't. They can't talk about it, and it's they don't want to focus on all that negative stuff. And I had a lieutenant general who's retired now write the forward for me because he and my stepdad were 
really close and they graduated together from West Point and they got through scuba diving training together for the special forces. And he would not have passed if my stepfather hadn't jumped in, you know, <laughs> so they, they just really connected. But he told me that the hero, you know, is a soldier's family. That's their heroes because we have to sacrifice. We don't think about it as much as they do because especially during, you know, war or whatever, they're not around. And we have to continue like trying to be a normal life. And yeah, but it's just, I'm just blabbing it. But it, it was just amazing. I didn't really, you know, I was around that entire environment and I didn't really, uh, you know, you don't appreciate those kind of things when you're younger. <laughs> yeah, totally. The person who had the impact is no longer there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, amazing story. It sounds like you got some, some more to share in the book. And before we dive in there, Bridget, if you wouldn't mind, maybe just giving the listeners a, a little bit more about yourself and, you know, being an author and tell them a little bit more about yourself, what you're up to now and, and your work. Okay. Well, my background is, is publishing in print project management and, and business development. And I got into all that because I love books. I always liked that for some reason when I was growing up. And when I transferred to the University of Wisconsin, my parents weren't happy, right? Because I grew up in the, anyway, because I met my boyfriend who was in the military, blah, blah, blah. So I got into the industry that way by, I joke by accident, you know, but I stayed in it because I had so, I know I just like dealing with the creating content and helping people. And so they were the ones that moved me back to Georgia, but I'm in, you know, every aspect of the industry. And I've been, it was very, a boys club, to be honest with you, very male dominated. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the production side is very male dominated. And I think my background of being around military guys, I understood how to deal with, I mean, you know, in a nice way. Yeah, I get it. I had to, <laughs> to deal with that. And I had to do a lot of traveling. And so they thought it was cool because I was a girl and I would talk about, and I had to understand equipment, you know, and understand how it worked in production but at the same time. I didn't want to run the equipment, but to be able to, you know, you have to understand it. And yeah. I'm one of those people who have to, have to touch and see and feel things. I don't know if you're talking about, I have to do that to understand it. And so I, you know, ended up having two boys myself and, but about 10 years ago, well, I got diagnosed with breast cancer twice and have a rare brain tumor and diagnosed oh, in wow. between. And, you know, a lot of it is to do with trying to figure out or understand, listen to your body. And the first breast cancer diagnosis, I was 41 years old, right? Wow. And uh, right, we're like, whoa, how does it? So I had surgery and it didn't, what color went back to me? I'm probably telling you too much. But then it wasn't a clear margin. I learned a lot about cancer because cancer doesn't run in my family. I didn't have clear margins, so I had to have two, another surgery. And then they did a test on it. It was considered aggressive. So they, at the time, they recommended I have radiation, and I, I and I did some research on that, and I and I believed them, right? <laughs> and then you have effects for that much later, not not immediately. And then um, about three years later, after that, is when I just dis we discovered I had a rare brain tumor, wow. and it's because I listened to my body, I'm like something's not right, something's not right with me, and it was, I joke about this. I thought I was pregnant and it was, what it was is this tumor that was going to my brain pushed on your pituitary as well. 
which controls your hormones. My body didn't, you know, it was kind of what was going on. So the breast cancer doctor did an MRI of my head. That's when we were like, whoa. I mean, the guy that did the, um, read the, the MRI, he called me. He's one of my, one of my friend's husbands. He called me within three hours, which is very rare. And he asked me how I was feeling because it was 2.25 centimeters, you know? Hmm. Wow. And we're like, what? Right. How did this happen? Well, because it grew slowly, my body adjusted to it. Right. And then, but at the same time, it was at the point where I was noticing weird things happening. Hmm. So I did a lot of research on that. People, the doctors in Atlanta, it's because it's rare, but nobody knew what, really what the right thing to do, the protocol to do. So I probably met with six different specialists and I ended up going to Chicago, the Northwestern University Hospital up there. They have a specialist for that kind of tumor. And he gave me some options and I ended up doing what's called cyber knife treatment, hmm. which is t- very targeted radiation. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be lit up here. I'm <laughs> glowing in the dark. You haven't been radiated. Hmm. Um, but it's, that was in 2009. So it's 11 years later. Right. And it shrunk. And, but then again, the breast cancer came back because still my hormones were going wacko, wacko from all the stuff going on. And I ended up right before the second breast cancer diagnosis, I went to get a health coach certification because I wanted to make sure I was taking care of myself, you know, making sure Um, it's about, I mean, I always ate right you know, and, and exercise. And so my doctors call me a zebra among horses. That is like somebody who stands out. They don't understand why this is, has happened to me. Yeah. But doing some more research, one of the doctors and the neurologist I met with, he believes I was exposed to radiation when I was younger. Oh, wow. As really? a child, you think about it, a military base, grew up around military bases, people are exposed to weird things. People don't under, realize that. Yeah. So, right. I didn't know. And so anyway, Breast cancer came back in 2014, and that was right at a time I had a corporate job, and I just got laid off with a whole bunch of people, not just me, private, you know, you're just, every industry is a lot of consolidation going on. You're like, what the hell am I going to do? I didn't know I had the breast cancer again, right? And so I was looking for a job and then found something else, like something's not right, and went back to the doctor, and the cancer came back, and so my clients who have known me for, you know, over the year in the industry, they trusted me and they're like, start your own business. So I went through chemo treatment, cancer treatment, started my own business and it's still going strong. Right. And to me, that helped me focus and not just feeling sorry for myself. Yeah. Right. And I did heal pretty quickly. And I was also worried about the brain tumor. What was going to happen if we gave my body chemo? We did all kinds of tests. Trust me, something like that, because it was aggressive. You know, a lot of people talk about changing the diet, but with cancer, it's so everybody is different. Yeah. And because mine was an environmental issue from past, I had to be a little bit more aggressive. So I just did the chemo. And I, again, I was worried. I called waking up the giant in my head. It actually helped even stopped it. And on all my hormones were normalized. Isn't that weird? Wow. Crazy. Uh, right. Oh, the hell I had, excuse me, to go through. But well, 10 years of my life, my 40s sucked. I mean, I'm, I'm just being funny. But I know. My, and my stepfather was always there, you know, always checking on me, making sure I was okay. And But I think because of the support I have, and I knew how to make sure I was eating properly and getting enough sleep. And yeah, 
And I think not having a crazy, hectic corporate lifestyle probably helped me, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, stress will do a lot too, yes. So what was the end result? So you were able to get rid of all the cancer? Right. It's been uh, six years now, and I've had multiple you know, checkups, and I, I ended up doing a very radical thing for the second breast cancer. I had the double mastectomy because the cancer came back on the same side, and it was very, again, very aggressive. Stage one, but um, I just didn't want to have to deal with that again because if it's that, you know, we didn't know because my hormones are, yeah. and that, that's, mine was very um, acquainted with that. But then there's so many, like I said, there's people don't realize there's like 32 or 35 different types of breast cancer. Wow. So that's why it's so difficult to treat. And then I had that weirdo thing in there with the tumor, which it did shrink some. It's like 1.8 centimeters now, but it hasn't grown. It's basically dead, which is good. So I get MRIs now every 18 months, which is good. I was, and I didn't realize I had claustrophobia until I had to do this because <laughs> when you have your brain imaged, you have your head, you had to put it, they put a cage on your face. Yeah. And then you have to like be in the center of the machine and you're bolted down. <laughs> so. They um, have better machines now where they're more open. And then I, I listen to music, right? Try to chill out. Um, <laughs> but but they're all, I just really, you know, to me, I'm more into the, um, I don't know if functional medicine is the right word, but a combination based on, on the situation. Because I knew if I did not have any of these things, I probably would not be here. Yeah. Oh, just yeah. based on data, right? Yeah. Um, but the data can be different for everybody. But that's why I had them take that tumor they took out of me um, in 2014. It's called a, to test it, right? And it, it was, like I said, it was aggressive. And the treatment would be more effective with chemo. There's some drugs they give women like tamoxifen or something. That would have done nothing for me. You know, it uh, would have been maybe 5%. Why would I take that and make my life miserable? Mm. So, I run a lot. That helps me. You know, I've always been a big runner anyway. So that was the torture part of uh, going through cancer treatment. I couldn't run Uh, because, you know, I had to make sure I was healing properly, but you had to tax your body too much. Right. I walked a lot. I couldn't walk, you know, not fast, but, but it was, uh, everybody has a story to share. You know, everybody has something. Mine, I just, I have to laugh at how absurd my stuff is. (laughs) Wow, I mean, but I'm still here. <laughs> that's incredible. I mean, I know we're trying to focus on this uh, on your book, expecting the good, which which I think is actually incredible to hear. You've written this book after you know right after this, this, right? Which is amazing, and sounds like you got another whole book to talk about <laughs> with just all of your experiences. Right? And maybe maybe well, you talk about them already in this book, but. Yeah, a little bit. I've been, see, I started blogging in 2010 after the brain tumor. My son recommended okay. I start doing that. Yeah. Okay, because it was therapeutic. Yeah. But I'm from that generation. We don't share stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I'm in, I'm in my mid 50s now almost, and we just don't share stuff like that. And so I did, and actually, actually therapeutic, and it was inspiring other people. Absolutely. And then that, my first book was kind of like, there's a theme to my blog. I didn't realize I was just like blogging. There's a theme to my blog, right? <laughs> I, based on what I wrote. And that first book was called Real Things, right? And then that was published after my the second cancer diagnosis. And then the second book, 
was about, it's a tribute to all the military people. And it's specifically to my stepfather for all that he did and that how we need to um, appreciate right being here and to ex- not, not to be negative. I kind of, I think my stepfather's influence on me helped me be more positive. Does that hmm. make sense? Yeah, I'm sure that, I'm sure that you went through a lot of tough moments with your 40s, as you mentioned, and I'm sure right. that positive attitude helped you through some of that, right? Right, and, and <laughs> I always look at, you know, you've probably heard that analogy, half glass full or half empty kind of yeah. thing. And I'm always the uh, half full kind of thing. I can tell you're you're smiling a lot. And I know the listeners maybe not be able to. Uh, right. That, but, uh, kind of, I think that that's what I do. <laughs> One of my neighbors, I don't know how many years ago, maybe 10 years, you know, I was walking by, I had two big dogs and walking them. And he goes, you are always smiling. And but I think because I was outside, I was moving, I was doing yeah. something I enjoyed. And that's what I focus on. The biggest takeaway is enjoy and do focus on what's important to yeah. you. Awesome. Well, let's jump back into your book just a little bit more, expecting the good, and wondered if there was any particular story that stood out, perhaps that you'd like to share um, with us today. I think how the funniest story was how my mom met him. I did not know that <laughs> she never shared this with us in the detail, only because you know, probably like I said, I was 16 years old when I met him. But he was, after he graduated West Point, he ended up doing like special forces training. Then he was stationed in Germany for a while for, he was specialized in skiing, right? And uh, the French uh, army needed help with some special forces training. So, you know, he was, he volunteered to go because a lot of the uh, different military from different countries, they kind of work together. So he volunteered to go. (laughs) And when he got to the border from Germany to France, he was arrested wow. because he was considered a draft dodger. I learned he was born in France, okay? But oh. he, his parents moved to the United States when he was like five or six. So that was in the, you know, it was kind of silly, but he had to call his, you know, company commander like, hey, I've been, I'm in jail here in France. And <laughs> they got the U.S. Embassy involved to get him out. And then when he got back out, he ended up going back to the States. Well, he needed, when he got back to the States to do some proper paperwork, it was all in French. So he needed a French translator. And that's how I met my mother because she was working on base. One of the, maybe a handful of people that could speak because she's French fluently in that. So she was able to help him fill out paperwork. <laughs> and so, you know, that's kind of how it happened. I think, you know, it was right around the, right after my parents got divorced. So that's kind of how they met because if he hadn't gotten arrested in France, which is hilarious. The only no, one my graduate <laughs> ever be arrested for draft dodging, but for so France gave him a pass. They gave him credit for uh, his training at West Point to be uh, applicable to French military. Which oh, I think, wow. <laughs> that, that to me is just so funny. If he hadn't been arrested, you know, never would have met. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so funny. <laughs> I think it's hilarious, right? Yeah, totally. That's how life goes. I think you know all these. Unexpected. That was. It turned out to be a good situation for him. He ended up meeting my mom, and they had a lot. They're kind of like opposite, but they have a lot in common too. And he never had biological children. He had to take, you know, not my brother, me, and my sister. I'm the middle child, and so all of our children, a total of seven grandchildren, those are all of our kids adored him because he took them on adventures. Because he was always about adventures. 
Hmm. Not about things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Experiences. And that's what he was about. And I think that's why we had such a good role model for our kids and for us. Well, sounds like an amazing guy. I wanted to ask you, I guess, one other, one last question about your book and wondered if you could sum it up for the listeners. If there was just one thing that they could take away from reading your book, what would you say that would be? That's a good question. I'm trying to, to, to appreciate the uh, what military go through. We don't realize what that is and how integrity is so important, right? I think that's important. He, he showed us to be honest. And that's really the biggest takeaway, I think. And that's kind of why. And, and to be to look at, you know, you're always going to have, I shouldn't say obstacles, but how to, to look at, you know, all your options and, and then look at the positive way to get yeah. through it because he's been through some stuff stuff too that I'm sure we will never know <laughs> that he never shared with us. But he just appreciated life, right? And he always wanted to make an impact and he did. He impacted seven grandkids, right? And they're gonna it's gonna be passed on to others. And I think that we need more people like that who aren't negative. We need more positive role models like that. How's that? <laughs> yeah, well said, yeah. Couldn't agree with you more, Bridget. Well, I wanted to ask if you had a favorite quote, love sharing quotes on my show and wondered if there was any favorites that you're inspired by often or. Um... Uh, yeah, there's one. Uh, Maya Angelou. Uh, is that how you pronounce her name? Maya. I I, so. Sorry. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. My favorite quote from her is people uh, won't forget how you made them. Wait, let me find the quote. Gosh, darn it. I can't remember it specifically, but it's basically how you make people feel. They remember about how you make them feel. Those are the, Got it. Yes, yes. I remember that quote. Yeah. Right. That to me, that's more important than how you look, right? Or it's just how you make other people feel and, and to give back because then you're going to be more productive. <laughs> that the right word? Or if I don't know. That's my favorite. Uh, yeah, that's a great reason. point. I think, I think it's something about what, they're not going to remember what you say, right? It's about how you make them feel. Something like that. Right. I have it in, let me grab my book real quick. Yeah, go Sorry. for it. It is, okay, I've learned that people forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Hmm. That, yeah, to me, is is um, encompasses a lot of things. Yeah, and... and uh, yeah, it kind of ties into your, your book here as well and how your grandpa made other people feel, it sounds like, right? And, right, it's how he did, right? That's that. kind of why I was saying these two books are kind of connected in a way. And I do have a, um upcoming on the 8th of February uh, local author thing. I'm going to have to give a speech. I don't have – I'm going to give a speech. Yes. <laughs> they invited me. How's that? Awesome. They um try to – they want local author here in Atlanta. So I'm going to go talk about that book and – I'm probably going to read a few things from it, but, and I'm going to have my fan base there, meaning my family (laughs) (laughs) to support me. So it's kind of cool to get the opportunity to talk about this in front of other people. That's great. That's great. I wondered if you had any other favorite books uh, at all. And it sounds like you were big into books uh, for your, for your I wondered if you might share any that have inspired you. I have a, today. I think one of my, um, there's a lot of books. One of them is Thrive by Ariana Huffington. Ah, yeah. Is it Adriana? Excuse me. Ariana Huffington. <laughs> Sorry. She wrote that when she realized she was getting burnt out. She's trying to do too much. And I read that book, Thrive, while I was sitting in my the chemo pod, right? Mm. And it was very, I, th- I found it very inspiring, right? Another one is Seth Godin. 
he wrote it's your turn right around the the year i had the same thing and i was just like yeah it is my turn i'm i help everybody with their books i'm gonna do that's kind of what it was <laughs> because i was always helping everybody else with their books and so that was another one and there's there's so many i mean you won't believe how many books i have <laughs> in my house between helping my clients but they're everywhere but those are the two that stood out because those are the two that impact me the year I was going through cancer. I do read fiction, right? Oh, The Book Thief is one of my favorite fiction books. You ever read that one? I haven't read it now, but oh my gosh. Interesting. <laughs> it, but it's based in um, Germany during World War II. And um, I think it's Germany, right? And this you know, character, he was young, he would go to somebody's, um, not a library, but a, uh, an official chancellor's house and steal some books off the bookshop and give it to these Jewish people hide it. I mean, I just thought it was cool that they were young trying to survive. I mean, it's, it's fiction, but it was really kind of cool how books help people survive even back then. Yeah. So that, that's one of the fiction books that stand out. To awesome. Me a lot. awesome. I would Thank recommend you. that one. Thanks for sharing those with the listeners. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I <laughs> uh, will talk just real quick. I wondered if you had any good advice for the listeners or in some inspiration for anybody who's interested in writing a book. And or maybe those who want to write a second or third or fourth book, anything right. that really has helped you through your career in, in writing books and uh, what's really helped you the most? Any quick tips or tricks that you can give uh, the listeners today? I think one thing is I since I have vocal until I'll tell people about I'm going to do this, then I'll do it. Otherwise, <laughs> don't say make it public, <laughs> but you don't have to. You know, I kind of like put it on my blog. I'm going to write this book. And so then my, Oh, I keep myself accountable. Yeah. And then I, I get, um, try to get feedback from other people on it. You know what I'm saying? To make sure it makes sense. Just like, be like beta readers. Yeah. You use the beta readers. You need to get some feedback. Yeah. And that's kind of what I did with my second book. I had people in the military read it because I'm not, even though I was raised around it, I didn't know if I'm saying the verbiage correctly. Yeah. You yeah. Know? or vernacular, or whatever it is. They love to talk in um, acronyms in the military. <laughs> and, I, you know, so that I, you need to have some beta. I mean, I recommend beta readers. The biggest thing for me that helped me, like I said, was make it, make it public. Write every day something. Just, you don't have to make your writing about the book public in the beginning. But I think an outline is kind of good, too. Yeah. Um, it helped me. I uh, started using... Google Docs, yeah. because then I'm like, oh man, I thought I think of something that I could get on any device and add to it. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, exactly. If you were on your phone, even right, you could connect to that document. And yeah, and that it. helped me a lot because I'm telling you, sometimes in the middle of the night, you're like, oh, you know, then I, I I do keep a notepad next to my bed, and um, because you just think of things. Yeah, that's how it and happens. Make, yeah. <laughs> in, Make time to take care of yourself, obviously. But I got a lot of ideas just walking in the woods with my. I live near the, you know, I'm very fortunate to live on a lake and uh, some trails around here. So I walk and I think I I don't put earbuds in. I don't. I want to be focused on the moment, hmm. right? And then that's when things pop into my head, awesome. you know, for writing or sharing. I mean, some people, everybody's different. Some people want to listen to music. I don't even though I love music, but it interferes with my ideas. <laughs> Hopefully that helps. Yeah, definitely. Those are some great tips. 
Well, I wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything, uh, Bridget. So if there's absolutely anything else you'd like to share with the listeners today, uh, feel free. And um, then we maybe you can also share where they can connect with you online. Okay. Well, I definitely recommend one more thing. Support your local library, right? I yeah. think that's important. Definitely. Because uh, a lot of people don't read because they, they use it, they can't afford a book. Well, you can go to the library and check one out for free, right? So I think that's kind of important to do. And it's not just books, but you have access now to digital online stuff too, yep. right? Magazines and so forth. But um, you could, my book is on, um, I think it's so cool. My second book, Expecting the Good, is on campus at West Point. So the cadets can read it there too. Because oh, fun. You know, they like that, you know, like that. So they, it can be read there. It can be purchased online, obviously, at Amazon. It can be purchased through online at Walmart, believe it or not, wow, and, awesome. on, and Barnes and & Nobles and things like that. Both books, um, Real Things and Expected to Good, is on Barnes and & Nobles and Amazon. And, and a couple of other local bookstores here carry my book because I, that's what I did. I went out and I talked to them, and they were like, they love the idea of having to to have local people, but my website has a, a page too for books. Um, in my expecting the good book, I give some of the net proceeds to the disabled American veterans. Um, they're here. They have a big office here in Atlanta next to the, uh, the VA building. And I went there by the way, to show them the book and get some of their input. And I was like a rock star because <laughs> I was, a you know, Oh my gosh, this woman wrote a book. And it's about, you know, us and she's here to help us. And there's not, I was also told there's not a, you know, like in Hollywood, they talk too much about violence in the military. What about the guys that are like my stuff? You know what I'm saying? So that's this one of the reasons why it's been recommended to show you this. People aren't going to go shoot you. I mean, that's just, it happens, but we need to yeah. focus on the, all the other people <laughs> as, <laughs> as well. So it's, my my website, BridgetCutchall.com, there's a book page. It takes you to some links, you know, to go buy them. There's an audio version. I did that too this year. Um, that was really cool. Awesome. Yeah, people like that. Uh, well, thank you again, Bridget. Uh, keep up the amazing work. Sounds uh, like just an incredible story and incredible life your, your grandpa lived. And so thank you for sharing with us today. I thank you for the opportunity, Aaron. Absolutely. Wonderful right. having you all right. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. Be sure to visit dailyauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content.